Sit down, strap in, and granny put your teeth in your pocket. Lead Lap Radio powered by HMS Motorsport. The leader in motorsport safety starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of Race Chaser Media Motorsports coverage from the WSIC studios in Statesville, North Carolina. This is Lead Lap presented by Victory Custom Trailers. We'll tell you more about them a little bit later on. My name is Tom Baker. I am really, really pumped about tonight's show and happy that you're all with us. And uh, we have kind of a, a new thing uh, starting this week. We are now, uh, in addition to being on the Performance Motorsports Network live with audio, we are also now on WSIC's all-new YouTube page with a video live stream, which we have shared to our Race Chaser Media, Facebook, and Twitter. So if you want to, if you're listening to this show on PMN and you want to watch the show live, you can do that. Go to either WSIC TV on YouTube, or you can just go to Race Chaser Media Facebook or Twitter. The link is there. It's posted. We've got a full show. First of all, I want to welcome back after several weeks off uh, the, the guy with the red hair back to the studio, James Mellick. We are like really happy to have you back. Hey, I'm excited to be back. Uh, it's been a long time for sure. It's been, been a while. Been locked up inside of a house. Yeah. Just, uh, on house arrest. Yeah. Not pretty really. Much. That's what Virus it felt like. house arrest. Yeah, it, it, it like. really it does. Uh, and I uh, want to say a special thank you to uh, Nick Moncher for uh, filling in for a few weeks for you. Uh, Nick um, it just adds so much on his own to what we do here. And uh, looking forward to still keeping Nick kind of coming in and out here as a guest and uh, bringing his uh, Venturini guys in because they're really cool guys. And uh, we always enjoy having them. So uh, happy to have uh, you back aboard, James. We're going to talk to James because James now back to work today at Levine Family Racing. Yeah. Uh, real quick before I get into that, I want to yeah. say uh, Nick did do a phenomenal job. He really did. Um, I sat and listened to all the shows while I was gone. And uh, if there was anything I could do to help, I tried to chime in and help where yep. I could. But everything that I it. did sounded very good and he did a great job. So I want to go ahead and say that real quick. But uh, yeah, back to work today. Uh, it's been uh, been different. We can say that. <laughs> I'm it feel, sure it, it feels very nice. I can definitely tell you that. To get out of the house and go back to what you're used to doing yeah, and routine. working, sure, it just feels, um, I don't know, it just feels like a weight was lifted off your shoulders. Oh, it feels yeah, that nice. For sure. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people from around the country who are able now and around the world even who are starting to kind of be allowed to reset, if you will, um, or as we like to say, because we have My Computer Career Reboot, uh, you know, and kind of get back to their routine. Uh, I'm sure everybody is pretty excited who gets to do that. We'll uh, we'll talk to James in a minute, but I want to tell you what's coming up on the show. We have got a power trio of short track racing promoters that are going to be uh, calling in on the strutmasters.com hotline. Um, and uh, one at a time, we're going to hear from uh, Steve Beitler from the Skagit Speedway in the state of Washington. Uh, and then we're going to hear from Bill Shea from the Utica Rome Speedway. Uh, and then that's in uh, central New York state. 
And then we're going to hear from Kenny Shepard from Madeira Speedway in California. Uh, and you're not going to believe what Kenny's about to tell us uh, a little later on in the show, because I didn't think we'd see any short track racing in California. And Kenny, at least for the moment, is about to make that happen at Madeira. Oh, I'm excited to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really an interesting story. Uh, so we're uh, we're excited to have those three on. And we thought that we would do kind of a because we're now, of course, NASCAR is coming back and. And in some of the short tracks, we had a couple here in the Carolinas that ran races this weekend. Um, <clears throat> we thought it would be appropriate to put together kind of a promoter's options kind of show and ask, what are the promoter's options? How do we uh, go short track racing in 2020? So it's sort of a round table, but we're only bringing them in one at a time. Uh, but I think this is going to be a show with a lot of great information. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, of course, we had another NASCAR uh Pro Invitational Series race, which William Byron won. Not a terrible shock. No. Uh, he's on a roll. Three, three of the last four that that young man's won. Um, I, we can talk about that later. But to me, the story from that side of the fence is that they are going to conclude the Pro Invitational Series this Saturday at 3 o'clock Eastern with a special broadcast and the championship's going to be run at North Wilkesboro. And that right there to me is awesome, A, because it went back to the grassroots. Yes. And another one is, that's kind of like a salute and thank you to Dale Jr. for yes. going there and doing all that work and all the people that well, chipped in. Well, I was going to say, everybody it else, because it wasn't just Jr. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people that chipped in to yep. make it possible just so they could scan that racetrack. And this shows the, the, um, the amount of respect that, iRacing has for those people. Absolutely. So I really like that they did that. Yep. So this Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern on Fox, not FS1. I mean, it might be simulcast, but Big Fox, 3 o'clock Eastern this Saturday, North Wilkesboro to decide the championship of the Pro Invitational Series before, of course, we go back to real on-track racing at Darlington. And now we know it's real because... Well, Red, you were back to work today. What was day one like? Uh, it was different, What's for sure. What's going on? Uh, well, you're definitely taking safety precautions. We're all wearing masks, uh, something we're not used to doing, uh, trying to keep e each other safe. We're working at a safe distance from each other. We obviously have to be close to each other because there's only so much distance on a race car uh, that you're allowed to really work on. Yeah. I mean, the race cars are only so big. So we're kind of sort of on top of each other, but we're giving each other space. We're just... More or less the mask. That's the new thing we're all trying to get accustomed to. But everybody, I could see it all in everybody's faces. They were just happy to be back. They were yeah. like, we're back at work. This yeah. is awesome. We're about to go back racing because we're ready to go. Like, yeah. we're hungry. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's the proverbial skip in the step kind of thing. Everybody's really pumped up and really, uh, really excited. No idea how this is all going to happen. Um <laughs> We're we're gonna all find out together on the seventeenth of May at Darlington, but uh, from your perspective, I mean, you've got, you know, you got one on the seventeenth. I think you got another one on the twentieth. I think it's seventeen, twenty, twenty-four, twenty-seven, twenty-seven. Four races yeah. in ten days. How's how's this gonna work? I mean, are Ugh. you good? Can you use the same car or the same two cars for all of those shows in theory, or how does how does that work? Uh, basically, what you'll do is you'll probably take, I'm just going to guess that you're going to take one car to each track because okay. you're not practicing or qualifying, so you don't really need a backup car. So you'll take one car to the racetrack. Uh, you'll race that car. If it comes back salvaged in good shape, 
you you might try to turn it around depending on how big your team is. Some okay. will not turn it around. They'll just say, okay, um, we just got another car here. We learned from the week before for the next car. You'll set the next car up to go back to that same racetrack to be ready to go. And um, with Charlotte being right around the corner, which is the one that has qualifying, if your car comes back in good shape from the first Darlington, you might turn that one around and make it your backup car. So, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios for people to figure out what to do with these cars, but I think since they're not really technically super, super short races, they're still pretty long. I mean, I think I think Darlington was 400 or 500 miles the first one. Um, that's still a good distance on a race, and I think that you'll pretty much have to come back and do a good bit of work on these cars to get them to go back to the track with all of the uh, Hawkeye stuff that you have to go through. Interesting. Well, it is going to be... Uh... It is going to be a lot, I would think, for you guys. A lot of hours uh, yeah. talking about working an extra shift. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I'm hearing a lot of teams, and I heard on the radio today as shift, well. I yeah, I heard on the radio today. I was listening to WFNZ, and they had Jeff Burton on there, and he even said, you know, he's hearing the same thing we are that there's possible chances of teams having to work multiple shifts, like taking if they got 300 employees, cutting them in half, and yeah. working half early in the morning and then half late at night right. uh, and stuff like that to try to just keep productivity going and try to give everybody the safe distance and, and not get anybody sick during this so we can race throughout the entire year and finish this season. It's crazy. I mean, I don't think that uh, in our wildest dreams that we could have imagined a scenario quite like this. Uh, you know, running twice a week. I think, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, we spend all this time talking about wouldn't it be cool if NASCAR actually ran some midweek shows? Now we get that chance. And it took a pandemic to get it. But, you know, whether we want it or not at this point, I don't think we anticipated it would be Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday kind of thing. But um, whether we want it or not, we've got it, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's how it it's, is. It's going to be fun for the first, it uh, should be. first 10 days. are going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And everybody is up to that challenge because we're so hungry yep. and wanting to go back racing yep. that you have that pep in your step. You have that, I mean, I'd say energy. Yeah. That's what I want to call it because yeah. everybody's been kind of just relaxing pretty much. The adrenaline is yeah. going again. You're ready to go. Yeah, you're, you're well rested, too exactly. well rested. So we're all ready to just get these cars out. And most of these teams are probably in pretty good shape, I would have yeah. to say, because, I mean, you were on your way to Atlanta. Sure. And you had to turn the car around and come, or yep. turn around and come back. And you pretty much had your next car built to go, and I believe what was that Texas. So Texas, you have two yeah. intermediate no, cars. Atlanta and uh, Homestead. Atlanta and Homestead. One, yeah. So either way, it was two intermediate cars. Yeah. So most of these teams had at least three, if not four, cars built at this point for intermediate tracks, because uh, you had two backup cars, two primaries for those tracks, and you had three to four cars. So you're in decent shape. You're just having to change some stuff. And now, as it appears, um, as you, you know, you and I talked about earlier. Um, with the format we're going to run where you're just showing up and racing, no practice, no qualifying, except for the 600, um, one car is all one you're going to need to the racetrack. And that, there would be no reason to have a second when you never use it. Yep. And it's going to take away a lot of work having to build two cars because now you only got to build one car a week. Yep. Uh, so that's going to take that away. And plus, it's going to take away with uh, having to carry, some, carry stuff on the truck as well, like the car. You might not have to carry yep, second some car. other stuff yep. as well. So it'll help out with the fuel mileage. On the trucks, um, just all kinds of stuff. Extra parts that are on the truck, you might be able to take off and put those into rotation to help go through stuff. It's yep. going to help out a lot. It's going to be nuts. Uh, so NASCAR firing up, uh, and, and that's great, but uh, the short tracks are 
starting to want to get open and it's kind of becoming that time. We did have a couple of short track races here in the Carolinas uh, this weekend. And we're going to spend a good deal of the rest of this show talking to various promoters about what they think it's going to take to go short track racing in this environment in 2020. And we are going to hear first and hopefully just around the corner from Steve Beitler from uh, up in the Pacific Northwest Skagit Speedway. Uh, and he has a racing series as well there. We'll talk to him about uh, what's going on there. So uh, he's coming up and we've got two more to follow. Bill Shea from Utica Rome Speedway in Central New York. And then Kenny Shepard from Madeira Speedway in California as well. Going to be chatting with us. Plenty of show to come. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. We've got to take a short break. We'll be right back with more of Lead Lap presented by Victory Custom Trailers. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. 
Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Ross Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Lead Lap, presented by Victory Custom Trailers. Uh, Hey, if you're looking for a new trailer and it doesn't have to be for racing, it can be for any purpose. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go. Just do us a favor while you're watching or listening to this show. Go to VictoryCustomTrailers.com and check out their website. You won't believe the selection they've got and what they can do. The more custom you need it, the better they can make it. Uh, And the, the cool part is about the website, you can design your own trailer right on their site. Really cool stuff. Victory Custom Trailers is based in Michigan, but they can get you a trailer anywhere in the U.S. that you are. Um, so give them a call or uh, visit them on the web at victorycustomtrailers.com. We'll talk a little bit more about them later. Uh, right now, we're going to go to the strutmasters.com, the suspension experts website, uh, not website, phone line, and bring out uh, Steve Beitler. Uh, has joined hey. us for the very first time, and we're happy to have Steve here. Uh, Steve is the... Um, <clears throat> Promoter of Skagit Speedway in Washington, which is a high-banked clay oval, runs sprint cars and modifieds, and USAC midgets and street stocks, all my favorite classes. Um, And also uh, the Summer Thunder Sprint Car Series that uh, races at a lot of the tracks in that same area up in the Pacific Northwest. Beautiful country up there. Steve, welcome to Lead Lap. We are happy to have you on. Hey, how you guys doing? Glad to be here. We are we are pumped this week. I mean, NASCAR is coming back. We had a couple of short tracks here in the Carolinas that reopened. Don't forget uh, World of Outlaws. And They're World of Outlaws, back. that's right. Going to the Knoxville. Outlaws at Knoxville. Yes, I, that's, that is true. So uh, it feels like spring now, a little. Um, yeah, a little late arriving, but it's starting to get there. Yeah, starting to get there. So first of all, Steve... Um, Talk a little bit about your current overall situation. What what are the conditions in your area in the Pacific Northwest in Washington? Um, what is it looking like for you in terms of when you may be able to pull the trigger and open your gates for the first time in 2020? And then we'll kind of get into some detail about, you know, what is it going to take and so forth. Well, actually, I just got off the phone about 15 minutes ago with the uh, governor's office, and we'll probably, best-case scenario, toward the end of June, we might be able to open the gates with nobody in the grandstands. If we want people in the grandstands, we're going to be probably looking at at least mid-July, if not the end of July, before we can start putting people in the grandstands. So that's what they told me this afternoon. We're hoping that maybe things speed up a little bit between now and then. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the how, so to speak. Uh, if, I mean, obviously, for most of us, we would envision, and I've been a, I've been a, a track promoter three times over, actually, um, and, you know, have, have worked a lot in the short track, still spend more time in the short track realm than in, in NASCAR or the other series with our media and such. Um, and so running the numbers i would 
always ask the question, how does a short track open their gates, run a race, and pay purses and expenses without spectators in the grandstand paying for a ticket and buying food and, you know, other novelties or whatever. Um, how in your world, what would it look like for you to open up without fans in the grandstand? Explain a little bit about uh, how that could happen and you could feasibly do that without uh, losing a whole lot of money on the deal. Well, that's a great point. You're going to lose a lot of money if you don't have fans in the grandstand. The only way you're going to make it back is kind of the current model that several people are starting to use, and that's your live streaming and, and pay-per-view. And out here in the, in the Pacific Northwest, we're, we're, we're fairly blessed because Catch Speedway has a huge following of a fan base in the Northwest. And, you know, I think that just as soon as we can open up without fans in the stands, we're going to try and get a pay-per-view live streaming program put together so we can at least get a couple races and uh, see if we can't get that to work for us. And if, if that doesn't work, you know, we're just going to have to wait till we can put fans back in the stands because you, you just can't, you just can't do it without an alternative revenue. Well, that was going to be my next question. Or one of my next questions was to kind of get into the pay-per-view aspect because uh, there are some short tracks that already offer that. Uh, and I know a couple in this area that have, made arrangements to have that uh, because of the situation, at least for a while this year. How feasible is it uh, up there in your area? How prevalent are uh, those types of enterprises that would have the experience and, and be able to come in and, and actually put something like that together for you at Skagit uh, to help you get started well, there's several companies that I, I know personally. You know, you've got Speed Shift TV, you've got Speed Sport News. There's a, a couple other ones. I know them I know them real well. I've been in conversations with all of them so far about putting together something. So it's very feasible to put it together. And I think the success of it is going to depend on what part of the country you're in. You know, in the Pacific Northwest, we don't have a lot of racetracks up in this general area. Right. So it's not like you've got three or four, air, three or four racetracks. Like in Pennsylvania, it'd be hard to do a pay-per-view if everybody else is opening up because the fans want to see it live and they're going to go watch a live race and they got to drive a couple hours versus sure. you know sit at home and watch it on TV. So up in my area, you know, there's only two dirt tracks that actually race on a weekly basis, and the other one, you know, it's I used to have that track also, and it's it's far enough away. There's enough fan base between us to where if one or the other does a pay-per-view, it's not going to hurt the other track. I think I think it's going to be feasible to to do that you know we just got to look at the numbers as far as what you're going to charge per per view right and uh like anything else you got to figure out how many views you got to sell to make the thing pencil and that's what you go after yeah it's an interesting uh y you know the technology helps in a way right because it's available i mean if this were uh you know 20 30 years ago you wouldn't obviously have that option um so the fact that it's available is a good thing but you know, when I was running numbers, I mean, I don't, what is the capacity or what is your normal uh, crowd for a race week in terms of a number of spectators who, who kind of on average, who come out to the track? Well, you know, on a slower night, you know, without rain and stuff, we got, we'll average anywhere from about 1,400 people to 2,300, 2,400 on okay. a regular night. But then your special events, you know, you're going to have, 
fireworks shows, monster trucks, dirt cup, outlaws. You're gonna have a sure. lot of people there. That's that's the ones that you you're not gonna be able to put those kind of events on and uh, try to do pay per view with a monster truck show or something because it's just not gonna work. But you know your regular weekly shows, um, you can get by with doing uh, you know some pay per view and even if you know I've I've kind of run some preliminary numbers and even if we can get 500, 600 people to uh, to subscribe. Uh, you know, I think we can make it work at that level. And it's not so much making a profit. It's just cutting your losses because, like, the way we do our racetrack is I take my, my fixed expenses, 12 months worth of expenses, and I divide them into each night of racing. So even if you don't race, you still got to write off about $15,000 because that's what your fixed expenses equate wow. to for the whole year. And, you know, if you can go in there and do a pay-per-view and, so you, if you just break even and cover your fixed expenses, you're actually making money. You're not going backwards. Right. Every week we're shut right now. Every every week we're shut right now. I'm losing twenty to twenty five thousand dollars by the time I do payroll and taxes, insurance, fixed expenses, everything else that just continues on. I mean, it's costing me over twenty thousand dollars a night to leave my racetrack shut. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really is, you know, and you look at how to price that pay-per-view and you say, okay, well, I could just make it the normal ticket price, uh, but then you have to have, you know, X number that's close to, you know, if you're averaging 15 or 1800 a week, you want to have 1800 and, and but you're still losing the extra dollars you would get, for example, from the concession, which can be the track's biggest profit margin you know really over the course of a, of, of a race night so then you say well maybe i could add an extra five bucks or ten bucks to it but you don't want to overprice it because then you start losing people people are only going to pay so much to watch it on pay-per-view and you really don't know what the comfort level is or the desire level is for your fan base until you try it and so it kind of makes it uh a little bit, I would think of, um, you know, an uncertain proposition, at least uh, from the beginning, but it's better than nothing, right? Well, that's exactly right. If we do nothing, we're going to lose money. Yeah. We at least try. I'd rather, I'd rather try and lose the same amount of money, at least, than you tried. But, you know, as far as ticket pricing and, and a pay-per-view pricing, uh, a pretty good rule of thumb, and I've heard this from a couple different places, is you take two two adult tickets, and uh, take five bucks off that. So if your adult price is fifteen dollars, you take thirty dollars for two of them, knock five bucks off. You're at twenty-five dollars. So your pay-per-view is going to be twenty-four ninety-five. And okay. really, if you think about it, that's about what like uh, like a, a junior and a senior ticket's ten dollars at my track. So one adult, one junior would be twenty-five dollars. So really, that's what you're buying at home. And ninety-nine percent of the people watching is going to have more than one person watching. And if you are by yourself, okay, it's just going to cost you a little bit more, but at least you can see the races. But I think that's going to be a, a pretty good rule of thumb is just uh, you take the cost of an adult ticket and a junior ticket, combine that, and that's what your pay-per-view is going to be. Or two adult tickets knock five bucks off, it's going to be about the same. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. It really is. Uh, it's it's an it's a technology that's been around for a little while, but a lot of short tracks haven't really taken advantage of it. And uh, so it's something now to where uh, the 
the folks in the industry who do that sort of thing suddenly have all this much more opportunity now. And the tracks are uh, some of the tracks who haven't done it before are obviously uh, giving it a second look and saying, well, maybe we can do something with this. We're going to ask you to hang on if we could just for uh, a bit. Steve, we got to step aside and take a break. We'll pick you up on the other side more with Steve. And we've got two more promoters coming up as well as uh, Lead Lap continues this evening. Presented by Victory Custom Trailers, we will be back in a moment. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves a majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Olero Fireproof Underwear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your specific safety needs. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media set you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Miglap, presented by Victory Custom Trailers, continues. Uh, we are live on the Performance Motorsports Network. If you want to listen to us on uh, 
Radio. Um, you can just uh, download the free PMN app and PMN Radio app, and we're there. Uh, or uh, we debuted tonight on WSIC-TV on YouTube. So if you want to watch us live, and this will be kind of the new thing for uh, both of our live, uh, all three of our live Race Chaser radio shows that we do here from the WSIC studio each week, just go to WSIC-TV on YouTube and uh, you can catch all of those live shows. We do Inside Pass tomorrow morning, Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern. And uh, we have Christian Eckes on tomorrow morning's show. Randy Miller uh, and I co-host that. And then on Thursday night at 7 p.m. is Motorsports Madness presented by mycomputercareer.edu and uh, Jacob Seelman uh, joining us. And uh, this week we've got Nick DeGroot on the program on Thursday from motorsport.com. And uh, we're going to kind of catch up and uh, get ready to go. Now, next week, I will make this announcement now that uh, next Monday's lead lap, one week from tonight, will be postponed to Friday next week. We're doing a special Friday night episode next week hopefully still trying to make sure we have a producer in line but uh, we we want to do a special friday night episode that would be the 15th friday night the 15th next week um monday tuesday and wednesday some other programming going on uh here in, at wsic so uh league lap moves to friday night which will give us the perfect lead-in to the return of nascar at darlington so uh now that you know all that, we'll go back to the strutmasters.com, the suspension experts hotline, and talk with uh, Steve Beitler from Skagit Speedway a little bit more. Uh, again, uh, out in Washington State. And uh, Steve, I think if I remember correctly, wasn't Washington one of the original um, sort of flare-ups for uh, the COVID-19? You, uh, you guys had a pretty uh, rough time of it up that way, didn't you? Yeah, one of the first reported cases was in a uh, in a, a retirement home in, in Kirkland, and you know, they right. didn't know what they were. They, they had no idea what they even had on their hands. It spread so quick, and it made it look really bad because you know the, the particular center they were at was a lot of uh, a very ill people and, and, and very weak people, and it spread quickly before they got a handle on it. And unfortunately, you know, several people lost their lives because of it before they realized how bad it really was. What is what is the situation out there now? Are you uh, are you still on lockdown there? I think uh, for a little while longer. Is that right? Yeah, they got us in lockdown basically till the end of the month. Okay. And, uh, you know, but you, they're allowing you to go out and walk on some trails, and you know, I, I don't know. If they said they go fishing, but I've, I've heard both sides. You can, you can't. I don't know for sure, but it's you know. To be honest, my personal opinion is they've way, way overreacted on this thing. And uh, 98% of the people that have died out here have been 65 years and older with underlying health conditions. I told the representative of the governor today, I said, you know, I understand that. And I respect that. I've got a 92-year-old father that I want him to stay home and stay safe. You shouldn't cripple the rest of the economy and allow a healthy 40-year-old man to go out and make a living for his family. And I told him, to open it back up and just tell the 65 and older people with health condition stuff stay at home you don't feel like you can take the disease stay home let the rest of us go out and go to work and uh just i live in a very liberal state they're destroying the small businesses 
destroying our economy. Yeah. I'm pissed about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been very vocal out here the last few weeks because there's so many businesses, small businesses. I've been a small business owner since 1986, and I know the struggles to survive in a normal economy, let alone one like this, and destroying the economy. So. It's, I'm, I'm trying to get my racetrack open because I got a lot of people that rely on that racetrack for income. I'm trying to get it open myself. Yeah, it's tough. It's uh, it's a tough situation all the way around. And you know, I I would agree with probably uh, all of what you said. Uh, in a lot of areas, I think uh, now it seems like more and more uh, the thought is turning to: Can we, if we can't reopen an entire state, can we do some sort of a roll? Uh, rolling reopen to where maybe the region's less affected. We uh, we start to kind of relax, and then as the situation maybe in the major metropolises and such uh, uh, starts to uh, you know abate abate, then we can get those open too. But um, certainly you're in a you're in a tough spot there. And we were talking in the last segment about uh, the pay per view idea. If you have to open without fans. Um, is there, have you discussed at all, uh, if you get to open it all with fans, how would you, for example, would you do any, would you have to test at the gate? And if so, I mean, have you kind of looked into all of that? Because it's one thing I feel like for a big organization like NASCAR to be able to do it, it's a whole other thing for the local Saturday night short track to be able to put together some way of doing it and have the personnel and all of the uh, equipment and whatever, how would that work? Well, first off, we're going to have to wait and see what our our county health department is going to require, right. the state's going to require. It wouldn't be hard. I mean, the biggest thing you would need to do is you need to man your pit gates earlier in the day so you don't have a big rush at one time. And if you're going to open for the grandstands, you got to check temperatures and stuff. you just got to open a lot earlier so that people can trickle in slowly at a time like that, but, you know, uh, it's very feasible. I've looked at all of it. I've looked at the masks. I've looked at the face shields, the safety glasses, the social distancing. You know, we're on top of all that stuff, just waiting for them to tell us, you know, what they're going to require to, uh, in, in our state, the, the phase two, they'll allow up to five people to gather. Phase three, you can have up to 50. And then phase four is when they open a wide open. And uh, but they're telling me phase four right now, a perfect case scenario might happen in the middle of middle to the end of July. So that's why we're trying to figure out what we can do to get some stuff going before that. Yeah, we were talking there about the pay-per-view um, and all the social distancing as well. If you are able to open the gates up, but you're only allowed to have so many people there for social distancing, are you still going to find a way to do the pay-per-view and have people in the in the stands, or are you? Yeah. Or how is yeah, that going to work? We, we, yeah, we definitely we we would do both because my grandstands will hold ten thousand people. Oh wow! And at one time they were they were talking about you know only allowing two hundred and fifty people. Well, I could put four or five pods of two hundred and fifty people a safe distance apart. Even if we had to put temporary fencing up, we could have four or five pods of two hundred and fifty people. And that would be fine. And then still offer the pay-per-view for the ones that don't want to come out or can't come out. But right now, they're not they're not offering that option of 250 people. They're going from 50 people up to wide open. And again, I'm going to have to get clarification when they say only 50 people in a gathering. Well, I, I, could, I could easily have, you know, a dozen to 20 different 
spots I could put 50 people in and they would be 30, 40, 50 feet away from everybody else. So that was one of my questions to the governor's office today. And they don't have an answer for it because they haven't thought any of their plans all the way through like normal. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that so often happens, it feels like, doesn't it? Well, uh, we all think they just kind of sometimes get up and um, make it up as they go. But I think a lot of this has been um, some some folks, some governors in some places seem to be focused on things other than getting to the end, so to speak. Uh, it feels like, well, you know, there's some governors out there that are so politically motivated. Yeah. What they're doing right now, they're all getting their paycheck. They don't have to worry about paying rent. They don't have to worry about can they put food on the table for their family or the kids got clothes. They don't know what it's like to live in lower class Exactly. Those yep. guys all need they all need to go out and live in the real world for a while and see what's going on in their neighborhood and get out from behind their guarded gate and walls and see what's really happening. And you know, the biggest problem is on the West Coast, you got so many between Newsom and Oregon and and Inslee in Washington, they hate Trump so much. Anything he says, they're going to do the opposite just to spite him, and they're going to sacrifice their own areas just for their own ego. And that's killing small businesses on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. My I, opinion. My opinion. Well, uh, I think uh, you'd probably have a pretty long line of people that might agree with you on a lot of that. Um, now, you have a series as well, right, with uh, – uh, the, the and how does the series get affected by this? Uh, obviously, it's one thing to have a racetrack that's sort of a piece of property, and you get to sort of um, figure out, well, I can open it this time or that time. But a series, you've got several races, different venues. Um, it's kind of some different considerations, and um, you know, and it and it's a longer timeline at different tracks. How? How uh, do you deal with the series that you have at this point in your particular neck of the woods up there? You know, it's, it's been challenging. I've actually got two series. I've got the Summer Thunder Sprint Series. Yep. Then I have the Washington Modified Tour. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, we run the Modified down here also. And, you know, it's just going to be a challenge because, you know, like right now, Oregon, we take both series into Oregon, and they're shut down just like Washington is. And some of our series race at fairgrounds. And right now the fairgrounds are all canceling and canceling their fairs and stuff. So, you know, this year I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many races we're going to get in for either one of those series. It might be a, instead of getting 16 races or whatever we had last year, it might be, you know, five or six races this year is all we're going to get. So, again, it's just kind of I got plan B, C, D, and E <laughs> in my head. I know which I'm going to do. I just got to wait to see which plan we're going to activate at what time we're going to actually get to get open and get going and, at that point, then we'll just have to, you know, we're going to have to modify some stuff this year, schedules and everything else. And I, I know the racers, the fans, they're just going to have to understand that's how it's going to be this year. Because, you know, the biggest thing we want to do is get open, get our customers back to work, get the racers racing, get the parts stores selling parts, you know, get the food vendors, the beer companies, get them selling merchandise to us. You know, we, we got to get some money moving around again or we're all going to be in trouble come fall time. Well, yeah, that's, uh, uh, I, I want to, uh, there's a question I've gotten. I know James has one as well. So uh, when we come back, uh, if you don't mind holding on one more time, we're going to slip in another quick sure. break and we'll be back with uh, more of Steve Beitler. And we've got uh, Bill Shea from Utica Rome Speedway in central New York coming up, as well as Kenny Shepard from Madeira Speedway in California as lead lap presented by Victory Custom Trailers rolls on. Be back after this. 
Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider Complete Motorcycle Air Suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider Air Shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at Strutmasters.com. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Jesse Love and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. fight with myself every uh, break that we come back from how last minute can i be getting the headphones on and acting like i'm ready to go before the uh tv commercials end and it comes back to uh comes back to me so uh those of you watching us on the live stream um Good luck. Uh, welcome back to Lead Lab presented by Victory Custom Trailers uh and we've got um Steve Beitler from uh Skagit Speedway on the uh hotline right now uh and if have enjoyed talking with steve continuing to talk about the situation with skagit the situation with his series um james i know you had a question so i'm gonna let you flip the camera to you and go ahead and ask your question and then i'll, I'll come back with one of my own uh yes yeah, steve so 
I was I was paying attention that the World of Outlaws and a lot of these series is are doing invite only to the racetracks and because uh, they have to limit the personnel in the garage as well. With your guys coming in there, are you going to allow whoever shows up in there? You're going to do an invite, or you're going to have to turn cars away that show up to this event? Because you said basically you're just going to have to open the pit gates early. Uh, How's that going to work at your racetrack? Well, again, we don't know that yet because we got to wait and see if they put a restriction on it. Um, we got a fairly large pit area. If they only put a, a six foot um, space restriction between trailers, well, we can get a lot in there. But I, I, a lot of it's going to just depend on if they come back to us and say, look, you guys are only going to be allowed this many people with this many cars. Then th- at that point, we'll have to figure out the fairest way on who to invite. I mean, how do you say one local guy is more important than another? I understand with the outlaws, obviously, you're going to take the cream of the crop, the outlaws, and then the best drivers you can get and right. pull them all together. And, uh, but we'll just, we'll just wait and see if they put any kind of restrictions on us. And at that point, we'll, we'll determine then how we're going to, how we're going to decide who's going to race. We may have to cut back instead of running four classes. We may have to cut back and just run three classes, but you know, that's, that's easily done. It'll be interesting for sure. I mean, I, I, uh, there are so many kind of little things that have to be logistically different or that are new, uh, for you guys at the short track level. And even obviously the outlaws, NASCAR, whomever, uh, because of the situation we're in that, uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how all this works out. Um, I was, uh, I was I ha- have had several discussions with folks in the sport over the last um you know 4 or 5 weeks about you know at what point does it become wiser as a short track for you to just stay closed for 2020 and obviously the news that you gave us at the top of your interview about the fact that you thought that you could be uh, in phase four there, which means you could start putting fans in as early as, as July potentially is great news and would certainly mean that you probably aren't even thinking about not opening at this point. Um, but I, I wonder how much of a consideration that was at least for a while for some of these short tracks in terms of, you know, if, if it's late July or August before we can open, is it even worth trying to run four or five races versus just staying closed in, uh, and, and starting all over again in 21? Can you kind of speak to that scenario a little bit? Well, I think it's important. If you can even open for one race, you, you got to open because, you know, you've got a lot of racers that have committed a lot of money to build race cars. You've got a fan base that's been committed loyal to you year after year. If you don't show the same commitment back, if you just say, screw it, I'm not going to open this year, they're going to look at you and say, well, he doesn't really care about us. He only cares about himself. So there's a fine line of, there's a fine line of opening and and losing even more money by opening or staying closed and cause some economical damage down the road. But uh, we have a lot of large events in August. You know, we do a big monster truck show. And then, of course, Labor Day weekend is our world outlaw event and we do a fireworks show. September. So, you know, if a person can get two or three of those large events in that usually cash flow pretty good, I mean, anything you can do to make a few thousand dollars here and a few thousand dollars there is just that much more money you're going to have to work with going into the winter and that much less money you're going to have to go borrow from the bank to get through the winter. Well, so my deal is get open for one race, get open and have a hell of a big race, 
and let everybody come out and show them what you're made of. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and it's it, it, but I can, you know, having, like I said, having been, having been a track promoter, I can certainly see why a track, depending on the circumstances, you know, is, is looking at it saying, gosh, you know, it takes so much money to open. And, and then if you, if you can't pull or are not allowed to pull a full grandstand or whatever, you know, you're, you're just, uh, you're behind the eight ball before you ever even really put a car on the racetrack. And man, that is, it's almost uh, like a bad catch 22 for you guys. Really. It seems like in a way. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to open your track and they're going to limit you to how much you can have in the grandstand. Right. You don't want to, if they say you can only have 200 people pulling your grandstand, you know, you, you can't feasibly open the racetrack because now, now instead of losing, pick a number of uh, any other track, instead of losing $10,000 a night, you're now losing $20,000. That yeah. doesn't make sense. But, you know, you just, you got to weigh out everything. And each track's going to probably have a little bit different situation to where, you know, do you, do you try to open the last weekend in August, go for three or four weeks, just try to make something of it? My personal opinion is you absolutely have to try. You got to show your commitment to your fans and to your racers because they've shown their commitment to you year after year. So it's important to get out there and make sure you're, you're showing them that you're willing to take a beat just like they are and keep this thing going the best you can. Yeah, I got a quick question I want to ask you real quick. This is more on the financial side. and um, I'm not going into numbers or any of that. This is just something I'm curious on. Um, is there any way that like a an owner of a track or an owner of a race series is able to ask for like a financial aid from the government, like a small business, uh, like the small businesses are doing? Or is there any way you guys can find a way to do that, or is that not possible? No, we're we're eligible for that. The PPP, the what's that? The payroll protection plan. We're eligible for that. We're eligible to apply for uh, low interest uh, small business association loans, but. You know, and that's fine. You can go out there. That's what a lot of us are going to have to do to get through the winter. Is we're going to have to go out and borrow money. But you know, you go out and borrow whenever you need a hundred thousand or one hundred fifty thousand dollars to get through the winter. Now you spend all next year paying that back, and you're looking at two to two to two and a half years of no profit. Keep your business open. That's that's the frustrating part of this whole deal. Is that it? I believe it's just unnecessary. The lockdown they've got us in right now. We've already shown we're past the worst part. Things are getting better at a rapid pace, and they're keeping us locked down. We don't have the luxury of being a restaurant or a clothing store or, or anything else that, that can operate year-round where we just slowly make our money back over the winter. Once our season's done, we're done until next year. So you borrow money, then you spend all next year paying back last yeah. year's debt. Hopefully make enough, enough money next year to break even, and you're still gone at least two years without making any money. Yeah. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. You know, if that's what you got to do to stay in business, you know, the people that lease racetracks, it's a little easier for them to just walk away from the lease right, right. now because most of them are most of them are written up for this force majeure, which this is, that they can walk away from their leases and, and cut their losses. I own my track, so I, I can't walk away from them because, you know, I've got bank notes on them and everything sure. else. So, you know, we, we just got to we got to roll our sleeves up and not feel sorry for ourselves, just get down the trenches. And I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've got a great team around me at the racetrack that, Every day they just say, what do you need us to do? And that's what we're going to do. And they, they get right down the trenches with me. And they fight and dig just as hard as they got to do the same thing I do. So, 
That is so important, uh, especially in a time like this. You need a good team around you, and you need that team to be really understanding of the situation. And, uh, you know, again, no different than uh, a race team or, you know, any any other organization in the sport right now. Everybody's kind of got to pull together and uh, do what they can just to kind of ride this out and see where it's going to go long term because uh, it's definitely a um, – a challenging time to say the least, and maybe, you know, more, more to the, to the point, uh, a bit precarious, especially for the short track side of things, right? Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely uncharted territory. Yeah. That's what I told everybody. We're, we're in a boat. We're going into the biggest storm we've ever seen. We don't even know what's on the other side, but we're just going to hang on and do the best we can. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a big partnership. We're partners with the track owners, with the fans, with the racers, with your sponsors. You know, we're doing a lot of stuff on social media right now to promote our sponsors, even though we're not open to track. We're still doing as much as we can for them, getting their word out to everybody on what their hours are and what limited basis yep. they're at. So, you know, really, at the end of the day, we're all in partnerships. And there's obviously going to be some advertisers at my racetrack that are small businesses that just can't afford to do anything this year. We'll keep all their advertising in place, even if we only run five or six nights. We'll keep it all in place because, you know, they've, they've supported us. Maybe it's our turn to support them a little bit as part of being partners in this deal and helping each other along the way. So that's what we're going to do. Exactly right. Well, we, uh, we've we certainly enjoyed having you, and I don't want to let you go. we got about a minute and a half without giving you an opportunity to kind of tell everybody in our audience, where can they follow Skagit Speedway and follow your series? And, uh, you know, anyone real quick that you want to say thank you to as well for anything uh sponsors or or your team whoever uh you got it for about a minute <laughs> you know i got a great team up here uh, mark harrison he's been my best friend since the fourth grade he's worked for me for almost That's 30 awesome. years candy jagger she's been a, a dear friend like a sister for 25 years jeff jackson's wife Lisa, lisa dines i mean she's amazing in social media we've got a team up here the other day, they all got together and did a barbecue in the parking lot because they just missed each other during the shutdown. And, and uh, you know, the, the biggest thing right now is, uh, you know, we've been in touch with our sponsors. We're taking care of them. And I just I want the racers to know that we're doing everything we can possibly do to get them back on the racetrack as soon as possible. And I want to go race, and I don't like this sitting around stuff. Oh, I hear you. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to uh, keeping up with uh, your progress here, and uh, we appreciate the chance to have you on, and thanks for taking some time to enlighten us here, Steve. All the best for uh, a great season up there, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they can follow us at gadgetspeedway.com or like us on Facebook, of course. And, and uh, thanks for having me on here, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again. Very good. That's Steve Butler from Skagit Speedway, and we'll take a short break. And uh, up next, Bill Shea from Utica Rome Speedway up in central New York State going to give us a call, another dirt track uh, promoter and owner, and uh, talk to us about what uh, his challenges are up in the Empire State. So with that, we will be back with more of Lead Lap presented by Victory Custom Trailers right after this. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. 
for a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses. Because it's not rocket science, it's My Computer Career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu, that's mycomputercareer.edu. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Tyler Ingram, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. See you again. Brought me back early. Hey, uh, sometimes the the TV portion comes back a little sooner than you expect, and you're just kind of chilling waiting to uh get back on the air and uh your uh that's what your audience sees so uh those again those of you watching live on video every once in a while you just uh get a look at what we do in the studio when the, the commercials are playing which is basically just sit around and chill yeah have some fun i mean yeah. tell stories that's yeah. where i mean that's really where a lot of it happens people don't see that yeah but a lot of it happens behind the scenes with us that's how we just kind of go on to the next uh topic we kind of just bounce around and the next thing you know Something comes up and we're like, yep, we're bringing that up on air. Well, it's a little different when uh, we've got a full studio with Jacob and Randy here oh, on yeah. Thursday nights uh, because, you know, we tend to, uh, you know, hijinks and, uh, you know, mayhem during the breaks. But uh, if you're Randy, you just yell across the table. Yeah. 
Mostly tonight, you're just looking at my ugly mug, just sitting, <laughs> staring at my computer, trying to go through Twitter and make sure nothing's broke. Uh, news hasn't broken or anything we should be talking about uh, during the break. So it, it's just kind of boring, but uh, put up with put up with that, please, and uh, over ignore that. And just know that we try to bring the best content we can. So uh, we're waiting on uh, Bill Shea from Utica Rome Speedway up in central New York to give us a call and uh, talk about his situation up there um, with us. And it's it's really an interesting scenario um, for Bill because he owns his racetrack, as you heard from Steve. Uh, Bill owns Utica Rome. And, of course, up in central New York, uh, you just you have so many other factors to begin with this time of the year. Um, for example, it hasn't been, but just about a week or a little longer than that ago, they had a little bit of snow and, uh, they're talking about perhaps some measurable snow up in the Northeast over the weekend. We got another cold air blast coming in up there, I guess it's supposed to cool down here, but when you cool down in the Carolinas, it's about 84 today, it's supposed to be in the sixties. We just go down to like 30 at night. Um, and, uh, they give, put out, put out frost warnings. So you have to make sure you bring in your cat or at least cover it up. Um, put a blanket over it. Uh, and, but that's really, um, but up, up that way, you, you can still get snow even in the first part of May. So, um, or rain, which is the other big problem at the beginning and the end of the year up there, like May and September, you get into the rainy season. So Bill has a situation up there where it's enough for him to have that sort of roulette wheel to deal with, with all the weather and whatever that could happen. Uh, and now you throw this kind of a situation in and um, Governor Cuomo up there still has everything on lockdown, talking about maybe eventually at some point relaxing, but he's already canceling. I mean, this, the New York State Fair is at the moment, I think, I don't think it's been officially canceled, but that runs end of August to about Labor Day. And uh, he's saying that no New York State Fair unless the whole state can be open. And as we know, New York City which is nowhere near, it's it's about six hours south of where Utica Rome Speedway is, so it's nowhere close. Uh, of course, that's been the epicenter. And, you know, we don't certainly don't want to be insensitive to, to, to that area because it certainly, it got rocked from this uh, virus. But uh, it's, it's sort of holding up the rest of the state. And so it's a really interesting and, and unique set of circumstances. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to uh, hear what Bill has to say, uh, if, if he can uh, clear his schedule and, and get us in here tonight. And we've also got Kenny Shepard from Madeira Speedway calling as well. And Kenny, um, you're, you're not going to, I mean, I didn't think we'd, I didn't think we'd see any short track racing in California this year. Well, stand by. Uh, because coming up in, in about uh, 20 minutes or so, Kenny's going to tell us that maybe we're wrong about that. Oh, yeah, he could very well tell us that. And so I And I'm not saying the other guys uh, by any means saying anything like they're not going to do great this year, but right. uh, what I'm going with, what I want to say real quick is I think that the last one you just mentioned there, he's going to have the biggest chance to succeed because he has less factors. Yes, he has the state of California, but... Kenny Shepard. Yes, but if you look at New York, they have weather, snow. Yeah. It shuts their season down. California can race year-round. <laughs> well, Washington, the same thing. It, the season is so short yeah. in those areas because yeah. of weathers that they can't control. That's true. It's going to really, it's going to hurt those cold-weather areas like Pennsylvania, New York, 
in all these places where you get snow more than it's going to impact well, the warm snow areas. I think. early, but then rain. I yeah. mean, you know, and, and Bill's had a couple of different years. He's been, I think this might be, it's either his third or fourth year. Time goes so quick that he's owned Utica Rome. And uh, he's had terrible, he runs on Sunday nights, terrible just rains issues on with rainouts. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's just, just and factors you can't control. No, and it's so hard no, no. on you. Exactly. And it hurts your pocketbook. Like, if you're in Texas or if you're in Phoenix or you're somewhere like that where it's warm, you can and go out there dry. and dry. Yeah. You can go out there and race in the middle of December. Well, when and that's the other down. thing is you have more shows. You can run 30, 40 exactly. shows. Um, you know, you get New York State and um, New York State is in a situation, and that's where I'm from. And I, I promoted uh, several tracks up there. And we had a year promoted Brewerton Speedway one year on Friday nights. And uh, we rained out 11 out of 26. Jeez. And you just, I mean, it's impossible to make a profit. And that's hard when you it. lose, exactly. because especially if it's a late rain out where you get, you open the gate and you get staff there and whatever, and you got to pay all those expenses and pay the insurance and whatever. It's, it's not easy. People think promoting a track is easy. No. Try it. I have, and I'm not saying I would never do it again. I think actually at this point in my life, having learned everything I've learned from my past experience of the sport, I think I could do it probably more successfully than I've ever done it. But um, you learn a few things like you need a good team. Um, you know, you can't do oh, everything yeah. yourself, right? And But they're just... But it's tough in some of the, like you said, the Northeast is really, yeah. really unpredictable. I believe all of them are going to succeed for sure. Uh, just, you know, the one being out in California yeah. of Kenny, he's got a bigger window. Well, His window isn't as small. He can race year-round because it's drier and warmer most Kenny's of the time. Kenny's got an interesting c- scenario with, uh, he. Uh, when we talk to him, he's... He's got a great deal with Mav TV, so a lot of his oh. racing. I'm sure a lot of our audience has watched it. Yeah, you can go to Mav TV. Uh, their junior late model division, for example, has been on Mav um, for an, uh, several years now, and that was a model that he started. That's now slowly starting to be duplicated in other areas around the country, uh, where you you've got um, uh, a late model class for drivers that are like 10 to 16. And boy, it's been extremely successful. But yeah, he puts uh, he puts he's got a great deal with Mav. A lot of programming on there from f- generating from Madeira. Um, and so Kenny is is one of the more innovative promoters in the country. And it it was a pleasure talking to him earlier today. And it's going to be great to talk to him on the air uh, when we get him on for him to tell his story. But uh, yeah, um, it's he's it's just it's interesting because. The governor there doesn't want anything no, of I that saw. sort. He doesn't want going anything going on. Yeah, I mean, I saw that they want to pretty much not have any large so, gatherings of concerts, racing, no. basketball, anything until the end of 2020, and yeah. then they'll reopen in 2021. I saw that, and I was like, man, that would uh, that would devastate a lot of stuff there. And in California. you think about the number of racetracks. I mean, there's probably 1,500. Oh yeah, that across the huge. country, right? No, just oh, and the whole, that state is huge. You know, but California, yes, California is big, but California isn't nearly as dense with racetracks as you might think. Really, I thought no. they would have quite a few racing no. more towards like the north. I thought they would have yeah, a good I bit mean, of them. There's there's a fair amount, but not nearly what you for a state its size you'd think they'd have the most right but it it doesn't work that way they actually you know they've lost a couple of the asphalt tracks out there um 
you know, it's just uh, there's more dirt than there is pavement, I think. Uh, and it's just not nearly as, for example, when I when I was in New York State, where I lived in central New York, uh, I'm trying to remember what the number was. I think it was 75 or 80 tracks within two hours of my house. Wow, that is a lot of race. Yeah. And, and that's what we heard mentioned by the other guy. They have actual room open in Washington between these racetracks. Sure. And there's not a yeah. whole lot of room there. Steve, yeah, Steve, and that's the thing. It's like there's, there's, um, so you go where there's, there's a lot of density, and we have probably similar density here in the Charlotte area, probably not quite as, as dense as New York or Pennsylvania or even New England, but it's, it's at least enough so that, again, if you, if one track's having a bad time, you probably get another one that you can go to that night and watch some racing if it's far enough aware the rain isn't hitting it. Or whatever. It's it's just a very tough situation to be a race promoter. Just normally, when you when you put something like this this pandemic this this virus into the equation, now you're having to figure out testing. You're having to you know to 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 limit your numbers and space people out. And you know some of these tracks don't have large pit areas. You're smaller bowl rings, um, and they try to pack six or seven divisions on a normal night. Yep. Can't do that right now. If you're going to open, you're not going to be able to race six or seven classes. You're going to have to limit it to two or three or maybe four if they're small. Um, you know, unless you got plenty of room outside to pit people or whatever. But it's just, it's a different situation and your numbers change. Yeah. And then not even you know? to mention, like you were just saying right there, not to mention the money that the track owners have to spend during the off season and during the right. year to keep these tracks safe for these drivers. Well, That's money coming yeah. out of their pockets as well that they're not getting back. Maintenance and, yeah. and all I mean, that, all that yep. stuff, they're not getting back in yep. return now after they've put all that time in to make them safer for these drivers. Well, that's, and, you know, that's the other thing. And again, for the fans that haven't promoted before, even if you, you know, if you've got a race coming up in a month, it's a big race. You start advertising, you spend several thousand dollars advertising one of your bigger races and it gets rained out that you don't get that money back. So, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to make ends meet at a lot of these short tracks, uh, than people would think it is. And that's why when, when I see these keyboard cowboys that like to badmouth racetracks over the internet, um, you know, I always have to, uh, you know, I have to wonder what they're thinking because that's the last thing you want is uh, for a track to get too much of that. And then the promoters say, you know what? Screw it. I'm done. And it's happened. Uh, we're going to be back with more of uh, Lead Lap presented by Victory Custom Trailers right after this. Stay with us. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. 
class. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Motorsports Sales Professionals. Performance Motorsports is looking to build a team of experienced media sales professionals to represent our programming to the industry's top companies, magazines, and racing series. If you have motorsports sales or marketing experience, know how to work with agencies, understand social media, and are incredibly creative when it comes to working with clients and promotions, then we want to hear from you. Top performers are richly rewarded. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses. Because it's not rocket science, it's My Computer Career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You could start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu, that's mycomputercareer.edu. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Lead Lab, presented by Victory Custom Trailers. Go go to their website, victorycustomtrailers.com. If you need a trailer for any reason, agricultural, motorsports, if you've got horses you want to uh, take uh, on a journey or whatever, um, all kinds of uh, construction trailers, and the more custom you want it, the more uh, they can help. So uh, Victory Custom Trailers should be your only stop for uh, your next trailer for any reason go to the website victorycustomtrailers.com and uh, you can actually design your own custom trailer right from the website it's pretty cool i think we have bill shea from utica rome speedway in central new york uh, online with us now on the strutmasters.com hotline so we'll bring uh, bill on the air and uh, Bill Shea and I go back more years than probably either one of us would want to admit. So I'm always happy when I can, uh, get to, uh, talk to Bill about racing. Cause we both love it so much. And Bill loves it so much. He bought a racetrack a few years ago. Is this your third or fourth year at Utica Rome, Bill? Well, Bill is in parentheses, I think. 
Uh, not sure. But I think you've got. Uh, I'm you tapped in this Kenny Shepherd. Oh, okay. Kenny well, okay. Well, uh, we weren't <laughs> expecting you for a little while longer, but that's okay. Uh, we're happy to have you because we haven't been able to connect with Bill Shea from Utica Rome up in New York State. So um, this is uh, live radio at its finest, folks. Sometimes uh, the technology surprises you and people surprise you. So we get more time with Kenny Shepherd from Madeira Speedway in California, which um, is not a bad thing because. I've been waiting the entire show for this particular interview. Uh, Kenny, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time to come on. Uh, we appreciate that. And uh, tell us the good news that uh, I saw earlier today going around social media, because I would have thought there was about a zero percent chance that we would see any short track racing in the state of California in 2020. And, Dog on it, you found a way to make it happen for Madeira. Talk about that. How did uh, this come about, and what exactly are the particulars here? Well, it's it's time for some good news, first of all. And anyone that's in the business of grassroots or short track racing, we do it because we're we're definitely optimists. Um, and we just it's never say never, never say die. And even last Monday, the governor had said that um, pretty much, especially in our case, we're on state fairgrounds. So that, that's yeah. another level. So we were we were shut down pretty much for the balance of the 2020 season, it sounded like. But um, it was just time for some good news, and we've been relentless with trying to find a way to make this work. Um, I've, I'm pretty good at communicating with people and working with different politicians. Um, and, and really where we're at, it starts with Central California. I've got a lot of family. My dad's side of the family is from Iowa, Southern Iowa. And so... I talk about Central California is really a lot like the Midwest. So when you get to where it's a lot different if you're in L.A. or San Francisco, but okay. where we are at in Madeira, it's cornfields and farmland a lot here. So the, the county supervisors, what's really happening here, and it's really evolved a lot over the last week, and I think we'll see a lot more over the next two weeks, a lot of the various counties are separating, and they're trying to do what's best for their counties and not just um, you know what's what's best for L.A. is not what's best for, you know, Madeira, California or Chico, California or something like that. So that's really where it began. And with a lot of support from the county supervisors, uh, they were very concerned with a sporting venue. Well, the biggest thing that happened was they opened the golf courses. So on Tuesday afternoon of last week, we went to work with our legal team and I would just base, I asked a basic question. How did they open the golf courses? What's the, the verbiage? And what we found was they are, recreational facilities we were deemed a sporting venue so even with no spectators we were shut down for the rest of the year so what we began over a tuesday wednesday thursday was the polite negotiation slash arguing that um, without spectators <laughs> in our grandstands we're no different than a golf course we're just a recreational facility or a skateboard park or a boat at the lake so that was the grounds that we laid for it and from there i built a five-phase process using um, language that that the you know the political class was very comfortable with. Uh, there was a you know the governors talked about four stages of opening and the various points. So we put a five stage program together that begins with uh, private practice and then it heads to more open public practice. So many people per square feet, which we're fortunate we have a giant pit area. And then stage three is racing with no spectators. Stage four would be racing with spectators with six feet of distance between them stage five is back to normal operation so that's that's a brief overview and it's um it was just relentless you know trying to find a way to make it work now what's happened there's multiple facilities 
that we're, we've got a package that we're sending out to the other racetracks from other things we've done, a legal waiver on, on COVID-19, you know, that competitors would sign like a competition waiver. There's different procedures we're using uh, from a medical screening area coming in that we've worked with, with the county on, and then uh, different things on our proposal, different packages in this package we put together, we're sending out to racetracks all over California right now to try and help them. Wow. That's genius. So really, it came down to language and wording and a little bit of finessing with, uh, th- with that part of it. And it obviously kind of helps to be in the particular situation that you're in where you're slightly less densely populated in your area, I suppose. Um, yeah. But and now you're taking this and actually making it available to other racetracks so that they too can benefit from it and maybe, uh, and maybe get their doors open and get some racing in as well. I'm, I'm very confident this Saturday, I believe we will have seven racetracks functioning with private style testing this Saturday coming up in the state of California. Wow. And that, that includes a a dirt track that includes um, a, a smaller karting track a couple of other pavement tracks and a road course. So I think this, we've got the door open. Um, and it's certainly, the other thing that happens is we, in our case, we had to really gain the confidence of the county supervisor. So sure. to me, the coaching that I give is it's the county supervisors, we have to have their trust and they're going out on a limb because they are definitely going against the wishes of the governor at this point. So right. we've got to give them a lot of confidence. We'll do this. We'll do this right. Well, I was going to ask you about that because obviously that begs the inevitable question. Uh, this would, I mean, looking at uh, what Governor Newsom is, has been saying and, and, you know, his temperament about all of this, um, I have to ask, what, what is his reaction? What is, is there a chance that this all kind of falls apart here? Or, I mean, what are the chances that uh, he actually ends up blessing this in the end? I mean, talk a little bit about, because I've got to believe you're going to get some pushback, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's already taken place. <laughs> it's already in motion. Again, we're on a, we're on a state property that's a Madera Speedway yeah. state fairground. So it's uh, the Madera Speedway sits on, on state fairgrounds since 1971. So uh, prior to that, from the 1940s, it was across the street on a private facility oh. as a dirt track, by the way. But, um, yeah, that, that process has already started. There's uh, individuals from the state of California uh, that represent the fairgrounds that have communicated. They're very concerned, and, and the state feels that uh, they will need to approve this at this point. Um, not getting too far into it, but there's a legal position there that we are on very strong ground. Good. Um, we were stopped because of health purposes. So, and the governor assigned each uh, county health director as the the authority. That's the the authority to let someone go or not go or make decisions. So now, because we have the approval of the county health director with our phases, um, they've approved our entire proposal. But we're at phase one right now. So, if the state were now to reverse, it would be for other purposes. So without getting too far into the legal side of it, right, we, um, yeah. they basically would have to shut down golf courses. They would have to shut down uh, the lakes that are now opening in various places. It, it would be a mess. And there would be uh, quite quite the grounds for uh, legally to, to pursue it that way. Wow. Uh, I, I That's it's just shocking. But it's uh, 
how amazing. I, I'm I'm kind of blown away by all of this uh, and, and what can happen when, I mean, obviously it comes down to situation and knowing the right people and being wise enough to kind of know how to work within the system, uh, which is what you've done. Um, okay, so um, as best you can tell us, what would you like to see in terms of a time frame? I mean, you mentioned, you know, open for testing and there's several phases. Um, what would you like to see or what are you working with in terms of when there might be actual racing at Madeira? Uh, what kind of a time frame would you like to see in an optimistic sense if everything works out right? Yeah, I, I think obviously there's a lot of factors there. Sure, but um, uh, what I would like to see and what you know, we would have already been one third of the way through our mad. Well, TV sure, of course, right. Series. So what I would <laughs> like to see, um, we we have probably the biggest thing right now. We have a tremendous amount of pressure on the industry. You know, if any of us go up to PRI at Indy in, in December, you know, there's a lot of people there. So we have to get some activity moving to make sure those right. that make their paycheck from the sport, we, we need to get this to, to move. So what I would like to see is phase three, stage three, by the middle of June, somewhere along there. Wow. Um, that would be no spectators, two divisions only, um, very strict situation. Basically, it's filmed two divisions, the Junior 5150 Junior Late Model Series and the Nut Up Pro Late Model Series, our two MAD TV series, would be filmed basically almost like it's a set. where. Okay. It's, only the competitors at the facility, right. our, our television staff and the grandstands, uh, officials, and that's it. So it's film for television. And so, but to get that to happen, there's some other things that have to take place. Uh, number one, we can't have numbers of COVID-19 go the wrong direction. That has right. to, you know, this has to move the right direction. We have to have um, something that's already taken place. I predicted about two weeks ago, the tone in California would shift dramatically on May 15. The reason I picked May 15, and I said this from the beginning, that's two months from the shutdown. Yep. There would be a lot of financial pressure. And if there were various counties that weren't impacted by this, there would be a lot of pushback. And at that point, the county, the county you know, supervisors and those in control, mayors of cities, would have a lot of pressure on themselves to separate from the tone of Sacramento. And so, for example, we've, we've worked really hard at this. We know the numbers inside now. From San Joaquin, was San Joaquin County, so it's just below Sacramento, and then we go down to Kern County, down to the Grapevine, and then from Central California to the Nevada border, all of the mountain communities, there's 150, or there was on Friday afternoon, there's 153 cases of COVID-19 in the hospital. Governor Newsom um, had 75,000 hospital beds available. They took the fairgrounds in places like ours, put temporary hospital beds and trailers on them, brought the numbers up to 125 thousand hospital beds one friday there was roughly 3400 people in the hospital for covid19 in the entire state of california so wow. part of the conversation has been you know we're all very concerned with anyone that gets this but at the same time what we were doing was making sure we didn't overrun our hospitals. sure and that certainly yeah. has not been the case in california and in particular in all of central california clear over to through the mountains over to nevada there's only 153 hospitalized people as of Friday afternoon. So we're really not in bad shape at all. Wow. So those were, that's a little bit of the framework. Now that can't become something really bad over sure. the next few weeks. We've got to make sure that uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of push and shove, I believe over the next 
seven or eight days. And I think by May 15, probably somewhere along there, we'll, we'll have a pretty good idea of the trajectory of where we're going. But we would love to see spectatorless racing, crazy phrase coming from a promoter. Yeah. Nuts, but um, by the middle of June, uh, we plan to do free live streams. We'll, we'll live stream while we're filming the shows. They will go out free. We're selling sponsorship. And so all of our fans anywhere around the country, and we get a lot of military people watching, even overseas, uh, when we do our live stream. So uh, we'll, we'll take a half glass full and turn it into, you know, or a half empty into a half full with sure. even the live streams when we do this. For sure. Uh, if you'll hold on for just a moment, sir, we'd like to uh, step aside. When we come back, we'll have more with Kenny Shepard from uh, Madeira Speedway. And wow, uh, some bombshell stuff happening out there in California and certainly some encouraging news all the way around uh, that uh, maybe we are starting to turn the corner and get past a lot of this. We'll be back with more of the show right after this. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on on curves and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves a majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Olero Fireproof Underwear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your specific safety needs. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road... It becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. 
Hi, this is Spencer Boyd, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back as we continue with Lead Lap, presented by Victory Custom Trailers. And I want to say a special uh, hello and thank you to the folks from mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life as well, one of our other major supporters for Race Chaser programming, and we appreciate them as we do, Chip Lofton and his uh, staff at strutmasters.com. We're going to go back to the Strutmasters hotline. We have Kenny Shepard from Madeira Speedway talking with us about, uh, uh, in general, what challenges uh, get faced here and how um, how you've got to really kind of look at things a lot differently, I would uh, imagine, as uh, you try to reopen in this current environment, Kenny. And I know um, you being able to uh, get Madeira back going again, uh, even just with testing, is a is a pretty big step, but uh, what if if I'm a fan and I'm and 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 or I'm let's let's not even say if I'm a fan if I'm a a team member and I'm going to come to Madeira, uh, let's say down the road when we do start racing without fans there, um, how are things going to be different for me as a team member and what what would be required of me at that point that's different as far as masks or whatever? Yeah, there will be. Um face coverings, gloves. Uh, the You as a competitor will see a completely different environment when it comes to uh, procedures. Uh, for example, we've got we've remodeled pretty much the entire property, but those big, beautiful restrooms we have will be used one at a time, one person in, one person out, oh, hand wow. sanitizing stations. Uh, there will be um, some other procedures that we're putting in place uh, right now. It's actually, um, there. it'll be, um, everything will be prepaid. So there will be no money exchanged uh, so everything uh, ahead of time will be handled. Okay. Uh, as far as um, pit passes, things of that nature, um, you'll see, uh, especially in the early stages, there'll be no food service available in the pit. So the, oh, where wow. the teams will bring their own food and take care of themselves. There will be 25 feet of spacing between each of the haulers uh, throughout our pit area. And again, we're very fortunate. We have, we've got a pit area where we could probably put 400 cars in now. It's absolutely gigantic. Wow. Space. Um, it's, it's really something else what we've done at the Madera Speedway. So we're, we are fortunate to have a tremendous amount of room in the pit. Um, as far as on the track, it'll probably feel a little bit more like the, the old days. Um, as far as, you know, when I grew up as a kid, uh, all I could ever remember it, whether it was in Iowa or out here in California, uh, was two divisions. You go watch the undercard and watch the, the headliner and that yeah. was pretty much it. So, so it'll feel, have a little more of an old school feel that way. Um, but the, the teams, especially the teams on our TV series, you know, whether it's 5150 Junior Late Model Kids or the Nut Up Pro Late Model Drivers, they're, you know, we're six years into a TV show, and they're really well-groomed. And so when we do live television, they're really tuned in. They're almost like miniature cup drivers already. Yeah. And so um, it's, they're just really, it's, it's quite the production. And, and I use the word production. that It'll feel like, you know, and, they, and they're accustomed to that right now. You know, these races are like being at a little cup race where things are on a real tight timer. And so for the competitor, I mean, it won't feel a lot different, but there will be there'll be some things will be different. And then um, the other thing that, that we're working on, and this is um, still in works right now, we typically will sell out every hotel and motel in the city of Madeira during our map TV shows once a month. Wow. And we have fans and drivers that come from out of state. So that was actually a really big obstacle in this, the County. It's a, it's a small County, a small city. They love those outside dollars, but now that became problematic to say the least um, bringing people from out of state 
So that, that was one of the challenges. So um, what we'll do now, it'll be competitors only at one hotel. Um, so, you know, you'll contain them at the hotel and then with RVs at the track contained there, it'll be different. There won't be an encouragement at all in rules. So they don't go out into the community restaurants, things of that nature until things turn really well. So what we used to encourage, run around town, spread $100 bills out everywhere. Now it's discouraged. So, yeah, that's so that'll be a little different. That's a very uh, difficult situation in some ways, but and yet, uh, in another way, I mean, it's it. Everybody's been adapting for the last several weeks, right? So all of these changes really are just sort of a matter of uh, having to do what it takes in order to. Um, you know, to, to start the process here. And, uh, that's amazing that the, the fact that once a month you actually sell out the hotels in Madeira, that's, um, that's very interesting. Uh, and, and probably in that regard, uh, is in your favor when it comes to having put all this together and convince the local officials to, you know, let you start, uh, paving the way back to, uh, back to action because obviously that's a lot of revenue that comes in aside from the revenue you enjoy out of it at the racetrack. Yeah, and that's that's actually a very good point you make. Um, I can give you an example. In 2006, the Madeira Speedway was closed and they had a bulldozer lined up at the backside of it. I was, had just finished. I was part of uh, four individuals that had saved the old Altamont track and rebuilt it. Okay. I was transitioning from the driver's seat, and I never dreamt of being a promoter, by the way. But I, I was just helping these tracks, and I was kind of more and more, I was becoming the front person. Uh, so a group of racers recruited me. In 2006, I went down and sat in a board meeting, and the last thing they wanted was that racetrack to open. All the way through about 2010, the community did not like the racetrack. It sits right in central Madeira. It's noisy. Um, bills weren't paid from the Speedway. Hardly mm-hmm. any crowds. The age-old story. And so we've taken from that point to 2020, where it brings more money into town than any single venue there. We raised a tremendous amount of money for charities, uh, children's hospital. I'll give you an example. Uh, we do a 5k run each year for the Madera County food bank and the Madera rescue mission that addresses the homeless problem that's out of control in California. We raised $40,000 at that 5k run. And it happened to be a, right, right when we were canceled this year, right? A, a weekend before. And so the mayor's out running the police department, the fire department, the chiefs. And so it's, we've become a very, important part of the Madeira community financially, donations, and just for entertainment. So you're absolutely spot on. That laid the foundation. Had this been 2006 to 2010, no chance at all. Yeah. We, we would have had no voice whatsoever. We were, we'd have been out of business for the entire year. It makes a big difference. And that's one of the things, um, you know, I talked with, we, in, in our, uh, the first part of our show, we had Steve Beitler from, uh, the state of Washington. He owns uh Skagit Speedway up there. And, uh, we had Steve on and, and, you know, I, I kind of posed the question to him that a lot of us had talked about from early on when all this started happening, you know, at what point does a short track, because obviously fans are critical income to a short track, both from the ticket price standpoint and the concession standpoint, at what point does a short track owner decide if, if I can't get reopened by this date in 2020, I might better just stay silent for 2020 and, you know, and look at 2021 when hopefully things are better. And boy, that certainly did not, having been a, a, a short track promoter myself, 
that's just not something you ever want to consider because, of course, you're still paying expenses um, all the while, you, you know, especially if you own the track. Um, you know, it's just a tough situation. What would that how would that have played out, uh, you know, if, if you had not been able to to get things going and thinking as a promoter in general, um, you know, just how unrealistic is that? And, you know, how hard do you fight to to get the track open and get running? Well, you mentioned Steve. I'll start with um, up at. I was the keynote speaker up at the uh, RPM workshops in Reno this year, and um, talking and got to see him up there. For most racetracks, and the topic, my what I was delivering in my keynote was I do things differently, and I've, I've thought outside the box, and I approach things you completely sure differently. Yeah. And and what we've done is being innovative, creating new series, making them cost effective, where the little guys can fight the big guys. But the biggest thing I've done. Madeira Speedway never paid its bills and had really no fan base. It it was a super modified racing track, and that whole thing had evaporated. Yeah, never was a stock car track. So what I did was um, gives us now the opportunity to run without. You're absolutely right. We never want to think about you know losing the revenue from the ticket sales. Uh, You know, heck, you pay your bills from concessions and any any short track. But with my model and what I laid out at Reno, ironically was the model of how I operate with a TV show. We're basically our own ad agency. The levels of sponsorship we sell because of the TV show, the level, the prize money is incredible. We have a three-race series that's a $100,000 prize package for our late models. We have wow. 10000 to win races. We have all these other massive things that the prize money we put out, and it's all because we're, we function. I own the TV studio. We own our own ad agency that only works for the racetrack with my staff. I nickname an ad agency. But... We do these things, and because of this, it puts us into a position we don't want to do it, but we can operate without the grandstands. That's that's how strong the, the situation is we've created. And again, we don't want to do it. And the biggest thing we'll miss, I, I don't want that energy of empty grandstands. There's not a promoter around that doesn't want to hide the, any any film or camera of any empty grandstands. So that, that will be the strangest thing. But it did lay the foundation because of our business model, which we were really forced into because as the super modified scene collapsed, there was just no fan base in Madeira, so we rebuilt right. it from the ground up and off the back of the TV show. Uh, I've got you know ten full time employees that work for the Madeira Speedway at our TV studios. Wow! So we just do things completely different than than pretty much any short track that I've been around or helped with. That's amazing. Well, yeah, because essentially you're almost to the point where um, you do a TV show that happens to allow fans to come in and watch. So yeah, that's really, that's, that's very accurate. And a lot of it came from the old, if you remember the winter heat days down at Tucson in the mid nineties that launched Biffle's career and yes, Hornaday's career. Sure. Yeah. Uh, ironic. I'm real good friends with Ralph Sahin and Ralph interviewed me. I sat on the very first poll December of 1994, had Garrett Evans from Washington was Ron Hornaday right behind me and ended up watching those two go at it. And then Dale Earnhardt calls uh, Hornaday and uh, you know, uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Well, I'm real good friends with Ron Hornaday, and we spend, I'm probably on the phone with Ron once a week, something like that, and chatting about kids. We're both really into, you know, helping the helping yep. young drivers. Yep. And one of the things we talk about is the old Tucson winter heat days. And what evolved at the Madeira Speedway was this impression that that had on me. It helped us with sponsors as drivers, helped launch careers, and that's what I've tried to recreate at Madeira is really that old Tucson winter heat. Um, and I've done it in a bigger format where it's a weekly show where we can launch and help help launch careers. That's fantastic. So with that model, and here we find ourselves in 2020 shut down with no way to function, and we actually have an avenue uh, that, that we can function because of what we built. 
That's amazing. If you'll hang on just uh, a couple of more minutes, uh, Kenny, I'd like to uh, keep you into our final segment here and talk about the uh, 5150 Junior Late Models because I think people need to, more people need to know about that. So uh, uh, we'll um, park Kenny back in the pits for a moment and uh, give him a chance to get out of the car and uh, get a rest, but only for three minutes. And then we'll come back and, uh, and roll for the final segment of tonight's Lead Lap Show. Be right back. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Our final segment of uh, League Lap for uh, this week. And again, a reminder that uh, the, the League Lap show next Monday moves 
at least that's what our plan is for the moment to move it to Friday of next week uh, because uh, some other things going on here at uh, the studio Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. But uh, so those of you who tune in on Monday for League Lap, be aware that the game plan right now is we're going to next Friday, which will lead us in perfectly to the return of NASCAR at Darlington over the weekend. We are headed straight back to the strutmasters.com hotline. I uh, did have a chance to, uh, I got a text from Bill Shea, who was supposed to be on at the uh, top of this hour uh, from Utica Rome Speedway. Bill said, I am so sorry. I was actually working on the track and um, just lost track of time. That is, uh, that is his passion there. And, and so uh, we'll, we'll reschedule Bill Shea and let you hear from him as quickly as we can get him on uh, the next show or, or a, sh- a show very soon. Back to Kenny Shepard. We go from Madeira Speedway and we've really enjoyed talking with him. Kenny, would you talk to us a little bit about um, how you conceived the idea for what has become uh, the 5150 junior late model division, which to me, um, as a, as someone who's spent a lot of time over the last three decades or so working with younger racers at first, when I heard about this several years ago and the idea that, you know, 10, 11 years old, you're putting them in a full size late model. I said, they're, they're what? (laughs) Um, but I can't even begin to tell you how much I enjoy watching those races when I have the opportunity. Uh, and, and now through my work with uh, Rod and race face, getting to know some of the um, more recent competitors uh, from that division. Uh, I mean, it's amazing what you've done with these kids and, but, but how does one conceive the thought of, Hey, I'm going to take a 10 year old and put them in a full size car. Well, that's, and, and your reaction was not uncommon. Um, it really starts, it goes clear back 1999, so over 25 or 20 years ago, pardon me. Uh, I finished second to Kurt Busch in the NASCAR Southwest Tour Series. And Kurt went off and, and went to Roush, and then not too long behind that, a few other drivers went. And then Kurt's little brother, Kyle, yep. um, when, when he hit the scene in the trucks, what I saw was two, two things. And where it came from, 2006 in Altima, was the first time I thought of it, by the way. Um, I was working with a few kids that were really elite they were nine and ten years old and they were just so talented it was unreal and we would bring them out and run them on the quarter mile in hobby stocks and with our best drivers well with kyle doing what he did kyle bush was pushing the age down so rapidly so we felt this pressure i felt pressure for these kids that by the time they were 16 they better be rock stars or the sport was going to pass them by true you know unless the young ladies they have a little bit of a, a different pathway i believe but um so that was part of it the other side of it, and more importantly for me, was we were losing so many of our, our youth. You know, they're stuck in the phones. They're yeah. stuck, you know, with you know, the whole computer world. Um, plus, we, in our territory, we would lose a lot of the young race car drivers if they were running quarter midgets, go-karts. By the time they came out of go-karts and quarter midgets, it was such a difficult path to get them to 16 years of age to keep them. So from 10 to 16, we would lose them to motorcycle or quad racing at best, and most of them we were just losing from the sport. So with that... Uh, I, I came up with the idea from working with a couple of very talented young drivers. I felt like um, we wanted one of the things with my series, and I tell other promoters that call me, I don't. I could have two hundred kids. We don't. We don't do that. We cap right. it at twenty kids. I want the twenty best, and only the kids that have superstar, rock star potential. The next Kyle Busch, the next Kurt Busch, the next Kevin Harvick. That's what we're after. 
So I'm out scouting and working, and, and it's really just like our, our junior challenge camp that we put on last year. We really went through 350 applicants to hone that down to one Grant Thompson. So yeah. we're looking for these absolute rock stars. Um, so to me, the kids that we've had through this program, from Jesse Love to Haley Deegan, and you know we could go on and on, Austin Herzog to Dylan Zampa, we worked with all these kids you know, before they were teenagers, and we saw the talent. A lot of these kids will end up being cup drivers. That's, that's the path. So ours is different, and other people that call that want to just put on a junior late model program and stick any kids in there, I tell them, you know, they, they won't be able to buy enough fenders and parts and pieces. The right. late model is not the car for a training car. It's only for the absolute, the next Kyle Bushes, basically. Well, So I just, I had a vision, and I was working with some of the kids in the hobby stocks in 2006, 7, and 8. We transitioned. We had a, a late model we put together. Um, part of it also, you know, we really pushed with the, the Hoosier 970 tire, you know, treaded tire, 602 crate engines. And so we began to test with some of these the young kids that I would scout, and I was very impressed with what they did. And, and we raced them with, it's kind of like sparring, you know, two cars, our best sure. model driver with a kid and one. And I just gained a lot of confidence, and we launched the very first race ever was on to have TP in 2016. Didn't even run a warm-up race. Had kids testing, I felt confident with them, and we launched it right on TV. That's that's incredible, uh, and it's and it's worked very well. And uh, I'm glad that you have emphasized how much you not only have thought this through in terms of let's just not let 40 kids show up and and race the late model, but you know let's focus on the ones that are truly ready to be at that level because I see other tracks or or series in other areas of the country and even locally here, um, you know, they start these junior divisions and, you know, there's not really any consideration of, you know, let's make sure they're all up to speed and you get, you know, three or four that are great. And then you get, you know, three or four that are good. And then you get three or four that really just frankly have no business being in a late model other than, um, daddy thought it was a great idea to pull him out of the quarter midget or the, the legends car or whatever, Bandolero and, and put them into the car and, and they, they're, they're slow and they're just in the way. And it's not a reflection on, on the driver themselves, other than they're just not, you know, up to that level yet. Um, you know, they need to stay down a little longer and, and, and you need to, you know, to get track time individually and test them and get the right people around them to set up the car properly. I mean, it's, you know, I can, I understand fully why your, your series has succeeded where others necessarily may not because of the care and the thought and the common sense that you put into it. Well, and, and to that point, to expand on it a little bit, some of the best racing we have seen has been in our 5150 Junior Late Model Series. Last year, we had three photo finishes that were inches apart. Yes. Um, just incredible. They Actually, we had less yellow flags, more green flag laps than we had in the Pro Series division. Wow. So by having and just picking the most elite drivers, they have their testing so aggressively. Back to the sim racing that's so popular right now, we work with our kids in simulators. We work with our kids with driver coaches. Uh, one of the formulas that works well for us, and most people wouldn't realize this, our pro late model division and our juniors are identical. The only difference is a, re- a tapered restrictor plate that chokes off some of the horsepower and makes gotcha. the car more drivable. Gotcha. The setups are identical. Every one of our 5150 junior late model races airs on a different date than the pros, but they race together. 
So what we have is even the family operations that don't have a lot of resources that are very competitive in the junior series, they are adopted by a pro series team. So they'll we'll park and, and basically it's a mentoring program. So that's you've got great. the best drivers coaching the kids in identical setups where they can communicate as well. And that's a key component. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I wish we had more time. We've got uh, about a minute left, unfortunately. Uh, wish we had more time to talk with you, Kenny. And what I'd love to do if, if you would be amenable to this is uh, once you kind of get things rolling a little bit there uh, and, and have made a little progress, love to have you back on again, just to keep us updated on how things are going out there. Uh, we are huge fans of yours and, and what you've accomplished at Madeira. And we appreciate you being on tonight. I'm uh, welcome to uh, coming back on. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we like coming back to your neck of the woods. And uh, each year we bring one of our kids back. Last year we yep. tested there at Hickory with Dylan Zampa. So miss being back there. Hope everyone stays safe and uh, look forward to talking to you soon again. That is Kenny Shepard from Madeira. Thank you again uh, for being on. And uh, we appreciate all of our guests this evening. And we will reschedule Bill Shea uh, on uh, a night as soon as we can get our schedules back together. But uh, we are about out of time here. So we want to thank all of you who watched us uh, on the new YouTube feed from WSIC. Uh, and, of course, we shared it to our Race Chaser uh, media uh, social as well. Uh, thanks to Victory Custom Trailers and all of our sponsors for being a part of what we do here at Race Chaser. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 11 Eastern for the Inside Pass. Christian Eckes going to join us. Bye. You've been listening to Lead Lap Radio powered by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Lead Lap Radio is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of the show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.